available for GNL. So I'm just going to cut this early. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you okay. a question, Natalie. Are you on your Wi-Fi or on your cellular right now? I'm on my Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. okay. And that's probably what happened. Ah. Um, yeah, it's okay if it happens. I'm just I'm just curious so that we don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck it up. I've wedged myself more in the windowsill, so hopefully that'll keep everything. Strike together. the balance. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Well, well um, I wanted to ask you, oh, where where are you at coronavirus style? What's your what's your days looking like, and where's your mind at? Because uh, we I haven't work... talked except for occasional text for a while. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so I work. I'm still working. Um, working from home four days a week, um, which helps with like a schedule, I guess. You know, like it forces me to do something a week. Um, yeah. Even though um, working seems so weird because the the concerns of the art world in the face of everything happening feels so removed, or you know your your typical day of like editing seems so so like trivial that for a while I just had like a lot of dissonance, like in it it was really bad, and I hit a burnout period, maybe like three weeks ago where I, I just like couldn't even function. I felt like my brain wasn't working. Um, but I feel like I've been able to kind of like come back to just trying to be practical and like use the day the best I can. And also with all the protests and stuff like that, I think it's just brought up so many other issues that, um, allow me to like reinvest and work in a way that feels productive. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and that feels better. Well, you like, have I feel to like be I can productive now. Focus on something, you know, and not. And it's I feel horrible time. because, yeah, like I, I care about the artists that we work with. You know, like a lot of them are really wonderful people. My my job seemed so, whatever, you know. Right. Um. But yeah, so that's like four days a week, and then. I was having a really hard time drawing. Fortunately, Kyle had the foresight to set up like a drawing room for us in our tiny apartment before everything even happened. So it's been my time to just kind of utilize that. But I haven't really made anything or felt like making anything maybe for the past few months. In this month, I finally feel like I'm starting to like, I don't know, have a little drive, which feels good. Um, yeah. but it's, I'm, I'm not in the worst place now. I think I was really bad a few weeks ago, which is kind of like, I've just dropped off and been really, I, I mean, I'm online, but just also quiet. Um, I don't know if that answers. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that, yeah. that answers my question. It's, it's really strange to me how universal this experience has mostly been like the rhythms oh, of it. Yeah. Cause, yeah, cause I'm, totally. I'm with you. I feel a lot better the last couple of weeks. Like for me personally, it has to do with like working out and like trying to get some discipline back. But like, yeah. um, oh. I was like on a real low about three weeks ago, like the end of May leading up to like the George Floyd incident was like yeah. the worst part. I think the whole month of May kind of. Yeah, it was, it was like really miserable. And I think also, oh God, I mean, I feel like I'm probably repeating myself. Cause like you said, I feel like everyone is very much on the same page, you know, about how overwhelmed we all feel and, you know, isolated and, and wondering what jobs are going to be like, or if, even if we fucking care to like go back to a job, (laughs) um, people who are 
happier because of the surplus and unemployment. Like they can actually afford things or pay off like credit card debt. And, you know, it's just, um, it's a time of like incredibly being incredibly still and stagnant, but also being like constantly inundated with everything. And it's, it's hard. It's like, yeah. it's hard to occupy both those headspaces. Well, I especially don't envy you guys that are still working from home. I was just talking to another friend on the phone and we were hanging out with somebody last weekend that's uh, still working in person, not even from home. Oh my God. But um, like, it sounds so much more stressful than even normal going to work commuting because of that two brain thing where you're like in this suspended animation and you still have work anxiety. It's also not removed from your own home. That like you're stuck in stress at home. That sucks. Yeah. 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 Like I would hate having like a really fucking stressful day. And then I shut my computer off and I literally wheel around and stool and I'm like in my kitchen having to like immediately be like, okay, it's time to make dinner. And like, here's all the source of my stress, like sitting on the countertop, you know, right? like it's like, and it just feels so unreal to like turn around and be like, okay, and now I'm home. Like I've been home the whole time and today sucked. And now I'm like sitting here just trying to like unload, you know? Right. Um, uh, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but before we go any further, can you like move closer to your router or something? It's cutting out a lot, yeah. and I can cut around oh, that no. a little bit, but I don't want to wreck the whole thing if that's okay. Okay. It's clearer. It's louder. Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. It, it all it all sounds good and everything. It's just that it, it when it gets that laggy thing where you turn into a computer no, no, no. voice for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You sound like a. You sound like you're in the Matrix or something. Yes. Yeah, that sound okay. that sound from the beginning of the Matrix, like when he turns silver, and it's like that crackling. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's that weird sound. Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of elongated electronic sound. Um, but anyway, yeah, where but, were we? So it was, yeah, it was yeah. coronavirus and working from home type stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think it just um, it's so funny, like um, to to have to learn and adopt all these tools. You know, like I feel like. I have so much empathy for like people working remote all the time or like having to learn all this and like onboard and learn all these new technologies rapidly and like have no time or like cushion to really learn them well, you know, like you just kind of had to like pick up a bunch of shit, like learning how to zoom conference. Like I had to host like two zoom events and, it wasn't horrible, but just, um, like digital stage fright, you know, is something I never thought of or could account for. Yeah, totally. Where you're in like an anonymous room with like 70 people and you're like, hi, I am talking to you from my cell phone, like wedged in my room, right? you know, on a stack of books and like, pres- like presenting myself as like a professional talking to you about, you know, some group show. And it, it just is so weird. It's so weird to like bring this amount of work into my home. Like I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no, no one should. I, I the the main thing is no one really should enjoy that encroachment. And it, not to just like straight up shit on work all the time, but like it it just was it was a huge transition, and it was something that I couldn't even like imagine. You know, like at first it's like. I'm a homebody and I'm an only child. So I like my alone time, you know, I can like hang out indoors and be totally fine. So 
quarantine for the first week was like, all right, cool. Like set my own schedule, work from home, you know, set up my workspace. And then the second week, it's like all of the problems came up. The tech, like the technical issues, you know, the, the new initiatives, like all the new outreach you have to do, you have to do double time to like make up for everything that you can't do physically anymore. Right. So you're just like doing six events instead of like one. Right. And, and well, and suddenly you can't even just have a verbal conversation that would solve a problem in two seconds. You know, you can't walk up the stairs at your work and be mm-hmm. like, hey, dude, uh, this is going out tomorrow. We need to get this signed or whatever. Everything is like an extended correspondence, whether it's Zoom or email or Slack. It just goes on and on and on. I think if I get attached to like CC'd in an email that's like over 25 or like 20 exchanges, my soul just leaves my body. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I'm like, some part of me has died, you know, like opening this email, some piece of my soul has just evaporated because I have to like read through all of this oh, conversation, you know, like, and like you said, like, I mean, my, my habit, my work style is to like literally wheel around in my desk and just be like, Hey, what is, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and like, you know, and, and I can do that. And, and now I can't, or, or it's like 500 phone calls for like uh, a two minute conversation Yeah, yeah. where exactly. it's like, we should do this. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, ah, like this is so disorienting. At the um, very beginning of quarantine, a mutual friend of Will and I started this big Discord for, like, people in L.A. and people in New mm-hmm. York to communicate. <laughs> but, like, Discord was fun for about two weeks until I ran into the same problem, which is, like, I cannot catch up with this stream. Well, and it's, I And I can't the, adapt to that environment. It's the group chat dilemma. Yeah, exactly. It is, like, the group chat dilemma, which is, like, if you aren't attentive, like, you're gardening, you know, like, you can't, if you're not checking in on it every day or at least for a period of time there's like you know scroll and scroll and scroll there's there's like eons of conversation that you miss yes and then it's just like more labor to keep some of that intact you know what i mean like just the the level of like correspondence is like piled up so much more than i would have expected I, guess. I, I like taking the position of the lurker in the group chat <laughs> I, I come along oh, like yeah. once a week and yeah, i'm like yeah cool dude and then the rest of the time i'm just reading it maybe or just completely skipping it discord has the problem of there's many ways to interact or go like i'm reacting to the image you posted i'm like okay yeah. so how do i get that how do i get to there to find the right one and it's like well you just liked it and i'm like or you put another whale on someone's thing i'm like i didn't want to do that i want to put a dolphin what's wrong with you you're speaking of nap time. You're just describing being an old man that doesn't know how to use. Uh, I don't know how to use technology. Phone, okay. <laughs> I mean, did we have to listen to the ad for the instant buttons because I don't know how to get it to go away? Yes. Yes. So wait, which what are you using? The soundboard. What? Uh, has, okay. Like in order to work around paying for it, you have to like start it and watch an ad and then disconnect from Wi-Fi. Oh. Oh, God. I like how you described that as work around not paying for it when you simply just won't pay for it. I just won't pay for it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I get that, too. Yeah. Why pay for things? I'll I'll pay for, like, you know, Switch Online $4 a month, but I shan't pay for a soundboard $35 for one year. No, thank you. No, that's fine. I think you could skip that. 
Um, no, yeah, I don't know. It's It's been interesting. I feel like, but go, going back to like work stuff, I feel yeah. like um, having, you know, like since the, you know, the George Floyd marches like started, you know, I think it's sparked, you know, a, an enormous digital wave that's moved through the art world. And, you know, um, I've had to have a lot of like learning conversations with coworkers and my boss. And, um, it's like, <laughs> I have to Sorry, do, please laugh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you laughing makes me feel better. Um, for anybody who may have missed this, uh, Chris and I used to work together. Yeah. So when I am talking about my boss, he knows exactly who I'm fucking talking about. Um, but yeah, um, it's, it, but at least, um, although those conversations were like fucking so stressful, um, they felt productive and it's like first kind of, um, change I feel like could be made that is not only productive, but also like highly motivating and interesting. So it feels good again to like be in touch and to try and be in touch with more people. Um, at least it feels like it's not so aimless anymore. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, to be quite honest with you, I've kind of checked out of social media in the last, you know, three weeks or so because of like the huge, the huge swell of posts. And I really wonder like, you know what for me it, it it seems like a lot of this is and this is not to diminish like any anything about the righteousness of the cause but i think a lot of the posting comes from the collapse of the bernie campaign and that this stuff started to started to fill that void for people a little bit cuz there was a real downturn in posting after like basically bernie was out and now, and now it's back in the form of blm well you know i will say this i think um from what I've read and from what I've understand, you know, understood with like looking at stuff. Um, I think there definitely is a huge amount of crossover just out of like the native concerns of Bernie camp, you know? Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like it's a way to form some kind of like group activism again, because there is no like progressive tent anymore per se with like a, a, you know, flagpole person. Um, but at the same time, I think there's also like, some like unproductiveness where it's like, you know, BLM is, you know, focusing on black lives. And then there's sort of this like undercurrent of like, well, fuck cops. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, I don't really fucking like cops at all, but also this is about, you know, black people being murdered and you know what I mean? And I think there is like some kind of like some like fucking, you know, ultra edgy leftist, like, takeover dialogues which get really annoying and i think that crossover is really apparent to me um and that part gets really annoying yeah, you know um, I, but I, I, I go ahead no you're good uh go ahead um i listened to a really interesting podcast i think i've mentioned john roderick on here before but he's this musician from seattle and he hosts a bunch of different podcasts but on one of the recent episodes one of them he was talking about the capitol hill autonomous zone I love Chaz. Yeah, and and the <laughs> worst thing, worst thing. His, I, I'm gonna do a bad job of like of conveying this because it's a lot more nuanced than I'm gonna make it sound. But his take was really sure. interesting. That like, um, Chaz is this weird thing because it 
starts out as a BLM thing, right? That it's protests over George Floyd and police right. violence. And then it gets kind of co-opted by like anarchists and socialists into this autonomous totally. zone. But- and and like he was he was presenting that as like that's sort of across purposes. And I think that he's right about that. But that relates back to the posts and that I see a lot of that going on that like basically there's a glomming on to BLM from people that have other interests or something. And that's not necessarily bad, but it's snowballing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, I agree. Like it's, it's not a total bad thing. Obviously I think uh, it's fucking fascinating that there is like the autonomous zone. Yeah. Um, And from all, all these reports, like it seems like it's being run very well or like equitably, right. which is cool. Um, and kind of fucking crazy that it's like actually happening. Um, and yeah, I think there is a lot of like cross pollination, but also, um, the dialogue of, um, you know, Black Lives Matter to, you know, rad- black, like radicals and, and literature and, and in history, and then it moves into, you know, and anarchy you know like it it moves from you know racial politics into you know capitalism and a critique of capitalism and how those things over you know they they cause each other and it it just um it's it's cool and it's it's crazy to to try and learn all about this stuff at once um i feel like i'm still doing a lot of reading um or just trying to understand like what's going on so I can't speak too, you know, specifically about anything at this point. Every time I see the thing in Seattle, I, I read it as Chad and then I giggle because that's as far as I know about Internet. And I'm like, well, that's funny. <laughs> I kind of like that it's close. Like, it makes me happy that Chaz and Chad are happening around the same time. Um, yeah. Because to me, the it's like very Chad behavior. Versus the Chaz like, cool. autonomous zone. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, no, yeah. Yeah, uh, I just, I just thought it was an interesting connection to make because there's, the, there's something about the, like, it, I mean this as, with as little, uh, edge on it as I can, that there's something incredibly chaotic about, like, oh, yeah. what's happening politically. That's just such an obvious point. But that to parse it out that, like, well, BLM is kind of its own thing. And then to, like, have the rest of the left kind of glom onto it with their own interests, I think is a really, like, true and salient point that nobody wants to admit. Because if you do that, you're sort of admitting to corrupting one or the other thing. And that never mm. looks good for anybody. Right, sure. But I think all these things are, are cross-pollinating anyway. Or, you know, already are, are mutual interests, you know? Like, the these ideas are already coexisting or have, you know, been spoken or written about, which is why they can kind of coexist now, even though um, obviously there needs to be some further like organization in order for things to continue. Um, But, you know, it it is kind of like, you know, scattershot of like different branches of different organizations and different goals being met, you know, um, different communities like speaking up right now altogether, which is kind of wild. Um, but ultimately it's, it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I wonder, have you noticed the momentum kind of waning this week? Cause I feel like, yeah, I have. well, yeah. even last week, um, yeah, last I week feel it like started. there's like, like art fatigue and like, like people are like, Oh, well, you know, like it's been a week and we've given it the space. So like, I can go back to like, 
sharing whatever, you know. Right. And, and I think, you know, this is like the problem with everything. And I think this is why this has lasted for so long or gone on and off for so long is like there's that week that like outpouring that, you know, can get lodged, you know, or like or spoken about is like, you know, performance activism or it's like, you know, we all like check our location on Facebook or, you know, whatever aunts and uncles are doing or, you know, changing your whatever. And then it kind of dies down and goes back to normal. But I think for the first time, I feel like I've seen a combating of that. Like it's, there's still people batting back and going like, no, we're not done talking about this yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, And it's, that has persisted more than I've seen in other occasions like this. Um, Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. I think with like maybe the possible exception of Ferguson way back when I feel like that lasted a pretty long time, but um, yeah, everything else kind of lasts a couple weeks and Peter's out. I, I really wonder this time because nothing is getting done. I mean, you, you have minor adjustments like in San Francisco and in Minneapolis, like they did do pretty like major uh, overhauls that are amazingly positive. They openly posited dismantling a police yeah, yeah. force which is like when the fuck has that ever happened no i know well I, actually is, but to to acknowledge that that enters like a public discourse you may have period right you may have you heard know? about this and i wasn't aware of it until uh the george floyd thing happened is that camden new jersey a couple years ago actually did this like so they, they just did, fired their entire police department and here's, started here's the problem with camden what's up they gave them more yeah. money they well, gave them more money, and then it shifted into kind of a more, like, plainclothes or, like, privatized right, police yeah. force. So it's not a perfect example, but it is one where a city at first disbanded. Well, r- right, but even that being said, like, that, that is an instructive example. Like, I didn't, re- I didn't really yeah, know yeah, that yeah. about it, but, like, that's an angle I could absolutely see, like, Democrats and Republicans both kind of taking is paying lip service to this and kind of doing it but then using it as an avenue to privatize or something, you know, like there's going to be an angle. Totally. Sure. I think that's the thing is like, um, which is why like defunding and abolish is like the language people must use because, you know, it's not saying, Oh, well like, you know, let's like retrain them. Like what the fuck has retraining done? You know, what is like pouring money into like, you know, bias training done? Like I read, you know, a report about, I think in Texas where, Two cops shot the guy who came in to do bias training with them. Yeah, they popped you know? one of his balls. Oh, Jesus yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, you know, so so refund, refunding or reallocating funds within a department or into the police is, like, proven time and time again that it it doesn't fucking work. And then you're right, you know, like, with um, reform, you know, um, I think reform is, like, the easiest, lowest rung for politicians to get to, like, Cuomo and sh- This is going to be a fun one for me to edit. Oh, yeah. This is going to be an editing. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, and you're back. You're back. God damn it. Okay. It won't let me talk about Cuomo. <laughs> I know we're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, being, you're being censored by the New York State. I definitely am. Um, no, but I was saying, A, Cuomo has, like, that contested nipple ring, which is, like, oh, yeah. terrifying. And then, two, that, um, that reform is, like, a, a low rung for politics to always get to, you know, for instance, the the legislation about uh, banning chokeholds. It's like right. Eric Garner was put in a chokehold while it was illegal, you know? So it, it, these 
these kind of gestures, you know, um, like, and even Cuomo, I think tweeted like last week where he's like, okay, everybody, like you got what you wanted, just go home. Right. You know, like you guys should quit now. And it's like, are you fucking kidding? Like, this is not, you know. Well, he's also going to come down to St. Mark's place and show everybody what's what. And I'm like, sure, sure, come yeah. on down. Come yeah, come down uh, we Eastgate. we were we were listening to like a clip of him on NPR in the car yesterday, and and I it was you know it was him threatening some kind of action because people are flouting the coronavirus rules or whatever. Oh yeah, and it, it occurred to me that like shut it down. Cuomo and De Blasio both are like a lot of these leaders like they just like to enforce rules. Like yeah. it's only about the satisfaction of getting to tell people no, and it's about yeah. nothing else. Like there really is nothing substantial behind it. It's just that, like, oh, you kind of pissed me off, so I'm going to go like Guido. Well, on it's your like ass. politeness, scolding politics. Yeah. You know, it's courtesy stuff, and it's bullshit, and it's not effective, and it doesn't help anybody. You know, right? I mean, it's ugh, God, it drives me crazy. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, I think. Um, and also just, uh, God, it's all such like a fucking a web. Um, I'm trying to like work my way back. But um, no, just reform and, and defund and abolish. You know, I think um, it's interesting to see all these conversations actually, I feel like really hitting the mainstream more so than I've, I've seen before. Yeah, I saw somebody online saying something like, you never would have thought that, like, every brunch white girl would know what ACAB was now. Fucking yeah, straight true. up. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, it's like, yeah, even slang, you know, hitting, like, the the popular, you know, the surface of the internet. And also, like, um, you know, all these, like, viral videos, like, TikToks and, like, fucking videos of, like, the McMuffin cop this morning you know what? what i mean like I that's like a whole that. viral thing <laughs> please explain mcmuffin cop because i'm never gonna see it let's be real good okay i watched like two seconds and i couldn't handle it basically this lady cop went through mcdonald's drive through and she's like you know wants her egg mcmuffin in the morning and then basically gets uncomfortable because the the person preparing it you know she can't see them and she thinks that she's gonna get poisoned which is like this perfect crystallized huh. like cop loving to like victimize themselves yeah, right, you right. know and so they you know and it they're taking time because like it's a fucking mcdonald's drive-through and the the woman hands her a coffee or the the cashier hands her her coffee and then she like flips out you know and it's basically like i don't even want the thing you know like i don't even get a thank you for what i do like blah blah, blah drives and parks you know and it's just like his, you know, it's just like this hysterical account of like a woman freaking out because she can't trust the people preparing her egg McMuffin. I mean, and I'm like, you are allowed to have a gun, like you, yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where I just like it's it's not funny because it's so upsettingly stupid, but. I just was like laughing really hard this morning because I'm like, this bitch has like a gun, you know? Well, like there's two things about that. <laughs> so a, that makes her closer to that, uh, Karen in a drive through or her name was Cheyenne, like getting a bag thrown in her face and then oh dude just God. throwing the drink at her, which, you know, fine. But, uh, mm. there was an incident with Shake Shack. Uh, well, that's, that's what I mean. And they like, were like, we didn't actually do it on purpose. We're the just trying to clean. Uh, oopsies. Can you guys explain what you're talking about? I don't know what that is. 
oh, the Shake Shack incident. So Shake Shack episode. might have done some light chlorine poisoning to IBS a bunch is of... braver than the cops. Um, people with IBS <laughs> are braver than the police. Um so Shake yeah. Shack might have accidentally chlorined poisoned people? Well, like, you know how, like, when you clean an ice cream thing, you got to put the, like, cleaner in it? Yes. And they just didn't rinse it good they enough? They got food so... poisoning. Oh, so They okay. got some mild to moderate food yeah. poisoning. So you shit they yourself had, a like, couple times. They had, like, poo-poo, Fine. and they reported it to their superior that they got poisoned, and then they, like, invested a Shake Shack quicker than any sexual assault case I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so, And they were like, yeah, know, somebody got um, the, the ratios of water to chemical wrong, and they're like, huh, well. Well, that's what it—that's yeah. what it's all about in the end, right? Like, if my consumer lifestyle is affected in any way, it's worthy of a murder. And, Absolutely. And if my civil rights are violated or whatever, that's then the everyone should turn, turn it away. <laughs> yeah. Which is like this crazy self-victimization that, like, I like the the level of like, you know, I'm being like homicided, you know, for getting like a bad milkshake is fucking crazy. Right. Also, the fuck is wrong with you? You're ordering. You don't order a milkshake at Shake Shack. You're already consuming 1,200 calories because you're getting cheesy fries. And if you aren't, you're stupid. So fuck you. Nap time is going to come in here and tell us all how to order. And throw it at a crowd of protesters. (laughs) Your cholesterol will be too high. Yeah, I mean. Oh my god. Yes, I. I, Yes, by the way, I will come for the $1,200 or 1,200 calorie uh, Shake Shack. Thank you. You're mixing up your stimmy with your daily breakfast calorie count. Oh, fuck you. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Andrew Yang said this thing when he was running for president that every cop should have to be a purple belt in jujitsu. And oh I actually God. think that that's really smart. Perhaps. Can I stand up for that for a second? You're fine. I think it, I think it. it relates to all of this stuff because if they had some discipline, right? Like it's not about learning the violent maneuvers. But, but it's, it's about, about attaining like a disciplined of, like, practice. Assessing a threat. Yes, and that would teach you to de-escalate violence because you know what it means to be violent, right? Like right. I think a well, lot of cops go it... go overboard in all of these circumstances whether they're being victimized at McDonald's or engaging in something <laughs> actually life-threatening because they don't have real interaction with violence, not necessarily. Some of them well, do and a lot they, of them don't. They're so, you know, coded in in their toys and shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be one thing if a cop had to flip you to, like, subdue you. That would be interesting. I'd, I'd like to see some of the, uh, the chunky boys try. I mean, I just try. want a different kind of fucking situation overall, you know? Like, I mean, that's why defund and, and fucking abolish seems great because it's, like, pour, you know, these billions of dollars into institutions or organizations or structures that would, like, alleviate these things that make people turn to this shit. You know, like nobody wants to be like a fucking criminal. I think a lot of crime comes from need. Yeah. That people's exactly. needs aren't being met. You're so exactly you right. fucking steal shit, you know, or you fucking, you know, you turn to shit that like actually provides cash flow or shit you need. Right. Like, I think the sentiment around defund and abolish is really good, but I do think that the language is a problem because it is going to remember you, you commented on this briefly when we were texting back and forth that like on the last episode, we talked about the sort of reactionary impulse that happens whenever um, the left gets any wind under its sails. All of a sudden you might spawn something else. Like, I think the language of defund and abolish is probably doing that right now. And well, really what people mean when they say that is, like, refund and redistribute. 
Well, just redistribute that. Right, right. Redistribute that. But that gets lost on people that are automatically against anything that's um, detrimental to the police. They're not hearing that part of it. When I say, like, defund and abolish police, it's because I see them as, like, a gang of fucking militarized people that have no training that go into situations that basically just, like, hurt and, you know, fucking abuse and and destroy people's, you know, ability to feel safe. And it's like, you know with you know different positions or different structures in place and and i think the other thing with like the language around abolish or defund is like people are so quick to run to like you know well what you know what does that exactly look like and what's the exact plan that's like i think this is also a time that that does make me feel like a bernie person again but it's like we have to fucking like dream bigger or like be able to imagine that a society could be structured like that Yes, at first, yes. like allow yourself to believe in that thing first. Like none of us have the exact answer. Right. I don't think people will have the exact answer. You know, like there's no one tent pole, you know, this one flagpole thing to like run around. Right. But I, I think at the same time that there's like a lot of fucking intelligent language and ideas around this. And, but the language, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a shock for a lot of people. Right. Because they see the police as like, uh, a, a force that's like peaceable or you know you call the police when you're in danger you know and it's like it, it's just that that indoctrination of of what police are right i i think i think that w- that was really well said and that's a really important point like in fact i'm in i'm i'm heartened to hear you say that like i think there's a lot of people right now that are realizing like we don't have all the answers and it's okay to just say i don't know what it looks like that didn't ex- that didn't yeah, exist or just say that like you don't believe in the thing anymore you know like i think that was like the heart of the bernie campaign for me too it's like look like this shit is not working anymore and bernie was like the compromise well you know well what, a, what, like, I'm, what i'm saying is that that feeling of we need to dream differently has existed now for a few years largely because of bernie really um and also but the, i mean black but, lives matter to me too sure and BLM. You know? yeah 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 but but the idea that um the idea that you don't need to have like a policy solution for anything at the moment is interesting. Like I think that's yeah. that's kind of a new sentiment where it's like, look, we're gonna figure that out once we get vision. And there's smart people. We will we can figure out fine points. Like to sure. me, this is this is the other thing too. Like we act like suddenly like nobody would have any idea what to do. You know that right. there aren't like experts or, or, you know, people who have studied abolition or, you know, have, or the, the, where would the money come from? You know, all these kind of, these blanket questions used to push an idea away before even allowing yourself to think about it. I, I guess, I guess my, my skepticism, and it's a very light skepticism, to be honest with you, is just that I think that that's a little backwards, you know? We've kind of crossed this Rubicon where, like, big vision comes first, and then details come later, which is okay from the uh, position of motivating people. Like, that, yeah. that will get people that believe in your cause to be really active, but the problem with that is you have to convince people that don't think that way to start to think that way. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I don't know... If the in extremist language is right for that, I'm not saying people should stop doing that. It's just occurring to me, like when I have conversations with my family or whatever, that like totally, you know, I think that's like a that 
that's like an incremental concern. Your job has to be to convince people that don't already agree with you. So I think this stuff is really good at getting people that already agree to agree bigger, which yeah. is important. But like, it's not going to go anywhere without conversion. No, totally. You know, you know what? I, I, I totally agree with that, you know, and I think it's it is the job of like, you know, for me, the past few weeks has just been like doing a lot of reading and trying to parse out language to understand these things overall. Right. That that way I could come back and, you know, talk to my mom, you know, who's like, you know, very much a liberal. Like, I don't think she would be against these things. But if I say, you know, like a cab abolish police, you know, she'd be like, what, what, you know? And I think, you know, it, you know, even with a liberal audience, you know, there, there is an education factor that has to happen, you know, and that comes through just learning, learning about these subjects overall and trying to find the language to translate the idea that makes something feel more tangible yes, to yeah. people who are less familiar with it, right. you know? And I, I'm, I'm not saying that from a fucking place of expertise at all, but just, you know, having those like learning conversations with people, right. which is like, is tolling it hard and like weird, you know? And I don't think conversion is something that comes easy, no, you know? Definitely Hell not. no. No, it's, it's going to be a long fucking conversation, I, you know? I guess the only reason I feel personally like compelled to comment on this at all, and this is very morbid, so trigger warning, but like yeah, the, 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 the example of George Floyd is a golden opportunity because that video was so obviously like oh, malevolent God. and unnecessary yeah. and evil that like anybody, no matter what you think, you could basically be a racist and also think that that you know was, it was un, wrong that you was know wrong. it was wrong everybody knows that so like if there's going to be a moment to be careful with the way that we speak it is yeah. now i i see that yeah. going in a lot of different directions that a lot of them i don't agree with um but I, i'm kind of glad that it seems to be on everybody's mind at least that i'm talking to about this stuff that it's good to just say i don't know that that's a more instructive answer than to have a hot take or whatever well yeah i think it's like you know to to say i don't know what it exactly looks like is is the real thing yeah. but also you know i can't pretend to know what a system would look like i'm fucking 28 you know right, like right. i like I, I you know i'm in the middle of trying to learn the shit myself well but, not, and not to mention everybody is in the middle of one of the most stressful moments in all of their yeah. lives right now like there has been no generational thing this big ever for anyone i think that also like adds you know it compounds where it's like people understand or are starting to understand more the stresses of you know fucking like lower class america you know like poverty line america more so than they ever have scarcity, you know, being isolated, not being able to get medical treatment, you right. know, like there's, there's all these things that people are suddenly can't account for or don't have access to and are, are becoming desperate. And, and through that, maybe understanding the vulnerability other people go through all the time. Yes. Um, so I think there's a greater room for empathy than there has been. And also it's the only thing that's really been like happening because we've all been right. stuck inside, right. you know? So it's like the only thing that people saw for a week and it's had the time to sit and saturate, you know, like you can't not see it. And you didn't really have the opportunity the first week to not see, you know, yeah, you're right. everything that was happening 
because normally we'd all be like distracted, you know? Sure. And I think it, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I don't know what the, the total sum of all this is going to be as a, as a product or as a movement. But, you know, I just like, I feel like the conversations that I've seen and, and had have been more open than they ever have. And I've been making more of an effort, you know, on my own to, to, to do that, to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that feels good. It's stressful, but it feels good, um, to challenge myself that way. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think that some of this too also comes from a complete lack of agency, like having institutional collapse in the background of all of this and having like the election basically be like, whatever, who cares? And yeah. the, the government's failing everybody on every level when it comes to coronavirus. Every, every tier. It, it reinforces failing. the idea that you're that you're on your own. And when yeah. people when people have had to take their own agency into account for the first time, I know this is true of me, where I look at it and I go like, oh, like I would have just thrown out whatever came to my mind at a certain point, but it's much more healthy to sort of dwell in a liminal space and just sort of riff it out, I guess. Like there's no, Absolutely. there's, there's really nothing to be gained from trying to do any large scale thinking because the cavalry is not there. It's not coming. Even if you think of the perfect governmental solution, it's not implementable. So right. whatever. Well, that's the thing is like, I think it, it, it reinstates that like the, it has to be, be between people. It's not coming from up. Right, it's you know, social. It's, it's not coming from anywhere higher that we have to organize. Wait, you mean brands aren't my friends and I shouldn't wait for them to make a statement? Yes, big. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I will say... Um, this episode of Green to... and Lewis brought to you by Gay Mastercard. Gay oh Mastercard. <laughs> can, you can only use it at the cock and for an Uber later in between hookups. <laughs> Limited use. What's the APR? Limited use, all rights reserved. APR 14.24%. <laughs> Oh my god! I was going to say six point nine percent, but that's me. <laughs> oh um, man! Wow. Um, Wait, oh, can shit. I have a hot take real quick? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Why is uh, I? I have one thing with the branding of, of posts about things. Everything kind of is resembling a parachute ad with the same kind of capitalized serif text, and I'm yeah. like, I can't read any of this anymore because this is actually hard to read. <laughs> too like, long. Graph read. No, um, uh, not too long. Just I'm like. Is this the one that I already saw? I don't know. You're just using yeah, blank the, text in one color. Of, like solidarity <sighs> mailers, I think were interesting. Like the semantics of like uh, the the calculated or like the corporate apology letter. Well, not even that. I'm talking about like instructions on how to be an ally. I'm like, we're all using the same oh, verbiage gotcha. as. Do you mean like within like memes, like on Instagram or what? No, they're like. Uh, well, like I guess ads? they're no, they're not ads. They're like instructions from organizers, like how to be mm. X, how to how to do this. And I'm like, this all looks this all looks graphically the same as an advertisement. Mm. You feel which, like it's like too much of the. It's all melding together, and I'm like, I don't know what this well, is. Well, honestly, I think that's because Instagram's stock formatting and stock uh, text choices are based on ads. I'm gonna say, oh, I guess. Yeah, I think also like you know, it is for that platform. Like that mode of design is very innately like meant for 
So people people turn to that immediately. But when you're you know when yeah. you're compounding a lot of information into one slide, right? Yeah. In the same way you would use just like one line of text. I'm just like I can't I can't see this, and then I also get like an explainer from a brand, and then I get a single. And I'm like, what works what's going on? You? Huh? What works best for you? Oh, I, that you found. Give me a picture. Give me one line, okay. but like an actual image of a scene of a thing, or like okay. here's a link. You like it. like very like straight up article like well, you know. I, I think I that's think just. So. I think you're just talking about like what the the native uh, design of social media is for, which is basically yes. memes and yeah. one or two lines with a picture, like. That's how it's most effective. That's how it's designed yeah. to be effective because you're scrolling through it and it needs to hit you with some impact. Real quick. Like, Everything yeah. should look like a Barbara Kruger, basically. Yes. And, mm. and like, unfortunately, the, the problem with like trying to organize or deliver any nuance on the Internet, especially on social media, is that it's designed exactly not to do that. Yeah. So you see a wall of text and you're like too lazy, didn't read. Right. You know? Which oh, is no, why it's... people try and like compile yeah. it into an image. Yeah, the imaging... you know what I mean. Like they try and like pack things in in a way that's like you know graphically like it's editorializing information like in yeah, a very yeah. simple way or trying to yeah versus a versus know, like a four like, inch square thing, block a wall of, of text yes you know? that's very hard and especially when it's and, borrowing you know like I think um, people are trying to make it designy to also like have an entryway for people who are using it not to gather information about. You know the movement. That's like, very astute, Natalie. It's actually for like Facebook Karens that's what I that mean. are attracted like, I think, to and that's the what I mean by cheesiness. It's yeah. like I think the design aspect comes from trying to reach out farther than probably any of us. It's for You're the right. Beckys of the world to repost into stories, and then maybe you'll click it. Like I'm worried that yeah, that's what some, it's kind of for some just people, doing. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, I think. Yeah, I don't know. But I think I think it is that design is used as like an outreach tool. Hmm. Yeah, like it, it, it looks, definitely is. It looks friendlier, more accessible maybe to some people right. who are uncomfortable with like just the fats. Hmm. Yeah, I I mean So, but it is interesting to like see the aestheticizing of this. Like I get what you're talking about. Yeah, it's very strange to me. I'm like, "Huh?" Yeah, sure. It's the same thing but like with I the Nike ad. I was like, It's how oh. people are using the tool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, this brings me back to something that I wanted to talk to you about specifically, Natalie, because I feel like you're my uh, millennial Zoomer cusp, like on on the pulse friend. Says the man oh, in a Marianne t-shirt, well, by the way. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'm wearing. My, I don't think you can see us right now, Natalie, but I'm wearing my uh, Marianne Williamson t-shirt because I wanted to bring some good ass vibes to our Hell episode. Yeah. Oh my god. And I've been. I love it. I'm wearing it for the second day in a row because I've just been feeling like the Marianne vibes. Real and it's hard. polyester, and he wore it to the beach. So yeah. So my co-host is a little funky. You know, it's. Yeah. Uh, that it, sounds great. It smells a little like seaweed and mostly like bo. Perfect. Um. But I. But I wanted to like. It's been on my mind a lot that, like, posting has never more clearly been useless. Like, yeah. I, I get that it... it Can we talk about this? This like, is what I want to talk about. Well, like, t t the reason that I've checked out of doing it at all is that I don't think I could do it without upsetting at least somebody. And I'm not saying that mm -hmm. would have, like, bizarre implications for me. That Like, I have nothing to lose right now. It's not that. Right. It's just I don't want well, to have the, I don't the, have the dialogue. Like, 
But like I think of posting as something that is fun that you do with your friends like anonymously on Reddit or like back in the day you'd send shit over AIM or whatever. Mm. And the fact that it's become like most people's politics in total, it's not yeah. an addendum to them, but it actually is them. Like the more you post per day, the better your politics are. Whereas well, I actually think I the correlation is like inverted completely. I don't agree with that sentiment. Um, like I don't, I don't think that rings. I, true well, can I try to put it a little bit better? Like yeah, I, sorry, I think, sorry. A, I think um, a lot of people I, use it as a substitute for actual action. That's absolutely. actually what I mean. I think yeah. that's a risk. Yeah. I think that's a big risk. Um, but I think at the same time, um, you know, there are other ways to be accountable. I think there are always going to be like performative aspects because it, it's literally social media. No doubt, yeah. But I think also, like in my mind, when I'm sharing stuff, I feel like, you know, I know that a good chunk of the audience I'm speaking to, it's like, sure, it's like preaching to the choir. You know, but I think I like to share things that, like I feel like New York is like a nexus point and I live in New York. I have friends in Minnesota. I have friends in Chicago. I have friends in California. I have friends in Florida. I have friends in Georgia. And when I share things, I feel like I am trying to cross pollinate between people I know. Like my best friend from high school is like a a health major. Like she works for the County health department in in our hometown, you know? And I like, it's interesting to see what she shares, you know, about like, um, you know, like black mental health organizations, like that's her focus. So like when I see her sharing that stuff and I know there's, you know, like a community of black trans people here that I get in touch with every now and then, like, I can share that thing. And maybe those people can contact them if they want, Hmm, if they don't know, you know? And I think for me, it's like a way to affirm or try and share information. And I, you know, like there's a lot of nuance and there is like a ton of paradoxes with like sharing and posting, like, you know, you're like a white person and making art and how much are you doing or how much are you, you know, can you do something financially for somebody? Can you donate your work? Can you split proceeds and put it somewhere? You know, can you advocate for people in your program? Like it doesn't all have to be posting, but I think um, when I see some kind of idea that somebody's passing around that seems interesting as like a, a point of equity or organizations I haven't heard of like um, glitz is like, you know, housing for uh, trans, you know, trans, the trans community coming out of Rikers, you know, and wow. it's like, if they can establish funds for long-term housing to help stabilize people before they get out into the real world, like that's something I want to share and, and share with people to like, if you can put $2 in the pot, that helps, you know? And I, I understand there's like a, a cringe factor maybe with sharing that people go like, oh, God, this is all I see. This is all everyone's doing. And are you even doing anything? Are you even helping, you know? But I, I think um, in my mind, I, I found it helpful. And I think also if I like lose people on the way, I don't really care. Like, I don't, you know, like it, it really is to each their own. And I feel like you know, maybe this is the thing I'm like sharing the most right now, but it's because I think people need shit. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, uh, I, I heard a, I heard a interesting quote the other day that was like, whenever you're posting, just keep in mind that the audience for your post is you. 
Like, actually, that's who the audience is. And if you're making the post and it appeals to you, that's what it's for. And so in in light of what you're saying, I think that's very interesting, actually, because it should not matter who you lose or gain. That's the metricizing of posts through likes has kind of fucked everybody's mind where if you don't if you don't get enough likes, it's like bad or whatever. But like, really, it's a narcissistic gesture in the end. And that can have an altruistic value. Like, I like a I like a ton of what you just said, all of it, really, like, um. I rarely ever think of that sort of um, rhizomatic impact that you're describing. Well, that don't I mean, forget, you, know, you, you have friends in Georgia and Minneapolis. Right, but like an earlier stage of the internet that I'm more familiar with was only shit posting. Mm. It was like I mean, it was know, like, like either academic or blogging stuff, but like yeah, it totally. was otherwise it was only entertainment. So I have a hard time taking it seriously, and like that's mm. my fault. You no, know. that's like interesting. Yeah. Like it's really interesting because you know, for me to hear that, like I, I, I was younger when like that was in full force. You know, like right. I grew up with like a home computer that I shared, and like you know, I, I like you know, got on like AIM and shit when I was like eleven or twelve. Like you know, I have some like some very like general knowledge of that era of the internet, but for me, I felt like it was just like this you know, great connector, um, Twitter and Instagram, you know, um, like I've, I've met people I never would have met otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, um, it's sort of an aside, but like, you have to remember that for somebody like, I I know we're not that different in age, but for somebody like Will and I's age, like Twitter was never a thing. Oh, and I understand why, you know, like, but in the same way, like I, I, I'm not like a Reddit person at all. But Reddit, Reddit is like a community base. Reddit is the it's, old, it's, it's Reddit like is room. closer you to know, what the internet used to look like. Right, That's and why I think I it's like still it. insanely popular. For oh yeah, good yeah, reason. yeah. Uh, but it's also a lot more libertarian. That's why people That's, are mad yeah, at, mad at it because they don't censor anything. Reddit does now, but like if you yeah, want to talk about four chan or eight chan or whatever, like there used to be a spirit that anything went and then everything turns into a cesspool. So when people Mm -hmm. are making like sincere posts or whatever, if it's cringe, I don't mean that badly. It's just the nomenclature. Sure. Like that is, that has never registered with me as something that you're even able to do. Like every Hmm. post has a layer of irony. Every post has a layer of irony. This is like a philosophical paradigm of like what the internet is for. Like for you guys, like it's more blog and like shit posting like it's like a place to like air it's truly for shit and giggles twitter is like that too like i feel like twitter is just like airing thoughts all the time yeah but you could air thoughts like you know landing in africa in two hours coming back you can do that on twitter yeah that's how you get (laughs) fired from twitter maybe like well the internet didn't used to be as important so, like, no. in, in the yeah. late 90s, That's... early 2000 era that I'm talking about, it was a legitimate subculture. So, like, being yeah. racist on the internet, ironically, was, like, pretty well understood by that group of people to not mean anything. But now it means mm. a lot. Now it means your job. Yeah, now it's, Now like, it means whatever. Important. So, like, that transition kind of passed me by. And it's sort mm. of difficult to accept that the internet has any positive value. Like, I always tend to go to the negative. Like, I think... I think basically, like, when you're talking about posting, when you're talking about text and images, 
you're mm. you're talking about a space that is inherently polarizing, inherently sure. reductive, um, basically not nutrient rich. Like if you want to make mm. a food analogy, um, but I am thinking that you don't think that. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I I um. I agree in some sense that it can be highly polarizing. Like I, I don't discount that at all. It can be, it's a, it's a flattened kind of place. Yes. But I also think that like Twitter is a, a huge place for dialogue, you know, like if people go on like screeds about how people are mining data, you know, how the government is like mining data information. Like, you know, people deliver basically like mini thesis papers, you right. know, and it, it's interesting. Like I, I followed different writers or, you know, scientists and stuff like that. But it's, it's interesting to see that people like to broadcast or like present dense information in short form. Right. And it, you know, sure. It's like clip, but you can always follow a link to like read the real thing. You know, like I think if yeah. you're looking at the right places, yeah. you can, you can find the information in the same way that you could, you know, if you really dug anywhere, you could get the, you could get the full story if you want. But I think a right. lot of people treat it as a service thing and only see it as a service thing and therefore only, you know, use it that way. And that's that is a very common way, which is why shit can be so polarizing. Well, I think that I think that that's a designed way. Like when we're yeah, actually absolutely. talking about this it's old version versus new version of the Internet, what we're really talking about is the advent of social media. And, and yeah, the, the but... moment that you're uh interactions became commercialized whether you're aware of it or not um mm. the nutrient value is suddenly stripped away sure um so when you're talking about people that use the internet on a surface level that's completely because social media does that to the user by design it's about engagement per unit it has nothing right. to do with the substance of anything really well, it's like likes on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Likes is the best well, summary. It's like the... you quantify the engagement with like a tap, well, you know? We are we are the generation that made BuzzFeed. Right. Oh, God. And then you are of a generation who's like, BuzzFeed's fucking stupid. And we're like, we know, but like we had to make something to get people clicking on shit to buy stuff from Amazon for fuck's sake. Yeah. That's yeah. What do you want true. us to do? The Jesus. listicle. Are yeah. You the course. listicle generation? We are. Yeah. Technically, yes. You know, Will, I think you and I were talking about this a couple nights ago off mic, but like when, when we really talk about generations, I'm really ashamed of millennials because we are the <laughs> worst. Like, we're so much more <sighs> like boomers than we'd like to admit. And You're... everything we've produced culturally has destroyed everything. But here's the you thing. Know what? We've never okay, done a single good thing. Here's the thing. We're also the same generation that has the most debt. Yes. So, like, of course, we're like, oh, I got to do what? I got to write a, take this quiz to find out which dollar menu McChicken you are. And you're like, fine, whatever. And then I How can much... win, like, a $2 coupon. Right. Yeah, like, uh, either way, you're just like, okay, I'm getting 50 cents a word. This thing's going to have 75 fucking questions. I don't give a shit. Well, and everybody calls that grifting when we would just call it making a living. We're mm. like, eh, who cares? Yeah, we just got to do like something. Facebook shoe raffle. <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of yeah it's i have like, some friends who do that and like pay their rent that way yeah no it's kind i know of amazing. I, I had an amazing conversation with uh one of them 
uh, I think it was your birthday a couple years ago when we were at was a it, bar. It was Kyle. Maybe it was Kyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kyle's and, like, and like he, Kyle's like shoe Nasdaq. It's fucking incredible. Shoe Nasdaq title. Oh boy, yeah. that's great. It's it's like it's masterful. Like they're doing stock trading with like shoes. Oh, right? Kyle is, and Rachel. Yeah, this has existed for a very long time. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I agree. Like I think um, that lends it. I don't. <sighs> I feel like I'm kind of pivoting on like generational blocks. Like, I don't know. I'm having like a weird paradigm shift where I'm over like totally shitting on like a single generation because there's just shitty people in every generation. Um, But also like, um, like I, I love the advent of zoomers. Like I kind of love them and I I like being shit on because I'm like old now. Right. And it feels really good. Like I I'm <laughs> I'm scared, but I'm also really excited. Like I'm like, yeah, just fucking like roast me. Like I don't know. I I feel like um yeah, it's interesting. But I you know, there's like uh I feel like every young generation gets past the buck, you know? Totally. Like everybody loves shitting on millennials. Love we love, you know, they they love us as like the punching bag. Yeah, it's you know? it's odd how um, in dialogue you're almost forced to sort of start to draw things along along generational lines because I think totally. that's how the older generations like to do it because yeah. it eliminates the class component. They don't really well, it's ha- like a binary thing. It's like us and them, you know. Well, th- there are like genuine different sentiments and like cultural differences between generations. Yes, it's sure. really hard yeah, to draw yeah, the yeah. lines Absolutely. of where those things stop and start. But like, really, like I think that. You know, I can't even I can't even model this outside of the framework. So I'll just say this, that like I think that boomers kind of started this where like basically people started calling them boomers as a pejorative and then they redefined everything along generational lines. And now we're Mm -hmm. stuck in generational warfare instead of class warfare, which is the actual problem. Right. Which is like boomers stole all the wealth and made themselves into a permanent middle and upper class. And you're not allowed to talk about that because. I remember you yeah. talking about this on the last episode. Oh, see, I don't even where it's like what I passing the buck. Yeah, generationally, like we're gonna like financially like ransack the Zoomers because we're gonna be in the same position. Yeah, as and I actually genuinely, our parents. I genuinely think that is going to happen. I doubt it. I Thoughts? wonder, but I, I again, like feeling like dumbly hopeful or like forcefully angry enough. I'm like, let's like fucking dream bigger than this like i'm so fucking over that you know that dividing of of resources you know what i mean like it's like come come on like we have to have shit to throw around you know like i i just i don't believe that that is not the case or else why would people be fucking fighting you know popular opinion this hard right like Hmm. you know i i just um I don't know. And I guess maybe that's why I feel more like dissolving, like the generational angst. Like I could talk about how sometimes I feel like Gen X is like very whiny, but I'm not going to like get too far into that. See, my problem Um, with Gen X is that they saw the writing on the wall and they were like, we're just not going to tell you about it. Yeah, they just like kept shoveling coal into the Titanic's furnace. Well, kind of. Well, and I, I guess to play devil's advocate advocate for a second like even 
even if that's true, Generation X was such a small generation compared to boomers yeah. and millennials that like their influence was really kind of nil. What are you talking about? They made the Spice Girls. They well, did make the Spice Girls. And Pepsi World. I don't Come think on. that they made that. I think that bo- I think that boomers made that. Like Generation oh, yeah. X made Nirvana and like had the like last gasp of legitimate subculture, but they never took the reins of bureaucracy or government. Like they were never able no. to. Hmm. They were never. They yeah. never had the numbers to actually exert any authority over anything, which is why they're also, not. I don't listed. know if they were that interested. They weren't. They, in, weren't. they, they weren't. They were interested in authenticity in a time when yeah. it's like girl by like we. That's not the point here. Well, but the, they kind of was the point after the eighties. Well, they were right about that. Like, I think what a part of what we're all talking about here is the reemergence of a kind of authenticity. Like, I think as soon as you're able to say "I don't know," and you don't want to speculate too much, mm. and you want to be measured in your thinking, what you're talking about is a kind of authenticity. You don't detach through irony, and you don't get cringe. You try to yeah. split the difference between the two things, and I think that's sort of an emergent property of coronavirus and blm right now and all of this stuff just in everybody's yeah. lives so wait, is that people are accepting authenticity more are you saying this is the death of irony 2.0 because it died in 2001 allegedly according it to Graydon carter uh, you know, but it didn't it, you know it didn't, I, it didn't go away because you know what i definitely got like a don't be ironic like readings in 2013 and during my undergrad you know like avoid irony you know so i think it it still was going strong irony turned into skepticism and snark and then snark had to die whether it's whether it's snark or irony i think the important thing to keep in mind is that irony is a device it is not an ethos right it has its uses and deployments but it is not an ideology it should not be an outlook no exactly right and fuck people who like have that outlook personally like, I just, I, you know, there's like, there's a, there's a difference between like using humor or irony as like a, a like a perfect kind of like cut or incision, like as a, as a critique of a larger system. Like, I think there's, there's effectiveness in that, but if that's like the overall viewpoint that you, that you occupy, like, I just don't have time. Like, I don't. I don't want to, I mean, this ties back into that, like, you know, like getting away from, you know, thinking of cringe or worrying about cringe. It's like, I would rather be entertaining ideas that would be helpful. Yes. Like, um, I, jokes are fun. Jokes are great. And there's always going to be a place for humor, period. There has to be, you know, but like, I, I don't know. I just can't abide by that anymore. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. What worries me a little bit is that you see the pendulum swing really hard one way or the other, where like now irony is canceled because it's problematic. And it's like, well, well it shouldn't is be. Is it, it ever sh- really canceled? Because I feel like. I don't know. No, it's it's not if you don't apologize for it. If you get if you give in to being extorted by whatever the dominant dominant ideology is and you don't allow your irony to have some earnestness behind it, as contradictory as that sounds, then yeah, you're gonna get canceled and there's a lot of stakes for you. But if you are Well to me that's like the difference between a good joke and a bad joke. Yeah. Like yeah, if you yeah, make yeah. a if you make a bad joke, it fucking sucks. And well, if you make a good joke, there's gonna be a point in that. Yeah. You know? Yep. And we were talking at Scrabble Night the other night about like there were 
like there were two ideas uh let me you can guess which one i represent but that this is a time of <laughs> massive change and when you do work or any work you do should be reacting and responding to it and then the other side was you can also just acknowledge that everything is kind of insane and do the stupidest thing yeah sure like stupidest thing in terms of getting to the point not like reacting right out of hand but just going i see i survey i did this it's very dumb. i think people have a hard time telling the difference between being reactionary and being absurdist and that yeah. is mm-hmm. that is like a line of distinction that i th- think people should be more aware of and less well, less quick to part, conflate you know yeah where it's like it has to be this or that you know yeah well to um, me to me this is back this is circling back a little bit but like that's back to the internet conversation because the internet is literally made of zeros and ones everything is binary there is either this or that i don't mm. think that there's a lot of nuance on it i think that podcasts are a little bit different I think that like YouTube videos are a little bit different when you get into long form and you actually hear the points out in yeah. all of their m- messy, chaotic um, emergence. Um, it's a little more palatable, but when you have to tweet it, you can't do it. It's either right. black or white. Or if you tweet it, you have to craft it very carefully in order to like. You have to do one out of eight, two out of eight, three well, out and, of eight, five you know, out of eight. Yeah. And you can't possibly do that because if you're a popular Twitter person, you're trying to satisfy 500,000 people. And there's no group of 500,000 people that can Which be pacified by any sense. Like, please, God, never get to that. Like, I don't understand why anybody would like desperately want to get to that point either. I mean, there are like private citizens that have like. 15,000 Twitter followers. I'm like, I don't oh, know 15,000 yeah. yeah, yeah, people. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with how how did you do that? Why it's, do you want that? It, I don't know. Twitter is Well, do you guys universe. do you guys know what the Dun, um, the Dunbar number is? The number no, that I call that? to have a deposit pickup? Uh the number that you call at 2 a.m. when you're drunk off seltzers and your <laughs> grinder is open again for some reason? No, it's not that. It's not Kevin Dunbar. The chubby oh Latino. my god! I was, um, <laughs> I was, Dunbar is an armored car. Thank you very much. Anyway. No, I know Dunbar is an armored car. The, the the Dunbar number is like an anthropological concept that anybody over in any group of people that you know over two hundred people is fundamentally unknowable. You can only have relationships with around like between one hundred and fifty and two hundred people at any given time that are hmm. sustainable and nuanced and meaningful. Right, Ab- above like, that number, nothing else matters. Now you're in the realm of power, basically. Hmm. And so when it comes to social media and people wanting to have like influence over 500,000 people or 15,000 people or whatever the number is, you just like the idea of power in the abstract. You don't like the idea of having meaning within power. Like literal power. Well, just disembodied power, power for power. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, yeah. The internet definitely is a vehicle for that, especially social media. And I want to be clear that, like, a lot of people do a lot of good things with that amount of power. Oh fuck yeah! Are you uh, kidding? Most I think people, people don't, but a lot of people have do. proven now. Um, I mean, besides, well, also people have done very stupid stuff, but I think there has been a lot of good that's come of it too. Um. Yeah, Natalie, it's been interesting to learn from you that you have an earnest attachment to the internet. 
I hope I'm not putting well, words in your mouth, but no, that's sort fine. of like that. I I don't think it's wrong. Um, I just, I guess I like, I, I don't even realize how much I see it that way. Like just from talking about it, I, I'm not consciously like, sure, that's not sure. my literal viewpoint. Um, but I guess you're right. Um, it's just because I feel like I've, I've been able to connect to so many people and, and in a really genuine way, which right. sounds strange, but I think it's like, it is inherently true for me. Yeah. You know, like I've, I've met people through Twitter, like, like one of my best friends, Alana, like she lives in California and I, I literally never physically met her. We were friends for three years. And then I, I just like went to her house when I went to LA and we sat and watched, um, like a fucking crime documentary on HBO and just hung out and it felt so normal. Right. Like we had been doing that the whole time. Yes. And it it was like hysterical because it, you know, it, it came through a vehicle that I, I never could have imagined that connection happening otherwise through any other way. And it, um, but there's something uh, powerful in that, that I think because of all of the, the machinations of like social media and the, the landscape now that um, people forget is like a real thing. That still is a real thing, you know, that it's, it's a tool for communication Right, and, th and that it can have tangible effects. Absolutely. Right. I think I'm, like, a wiser person with the way I've used the Internet. Also stupider in some ways, but, like, wiser, you know? Um, I've been able to, to meet people that are awesome. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess you're right. I, I feel like a very earnest Internet user. Um and it's worked out. No, wh so. which is good. Like, continue that forward. That is also a seed amongst a lot of other seeds that can propagate, like, a better future. Um, yeah. We don't, I, again, we don't have that, like, on an institutional level, but we can control that on a personal level. And if that's the kind of internet that you... maybe build up to be you, something, maybe, you know? Maybe. Like, maybe. Yeah. I think so. I think there's a lot of really capable, smart people, you know? I really believe in people. Strangely, even though, you know, I've been, you know, I've had weeks of being miserable, you right. know, and, and crying and feel like, you know, like we're saying before, like there's nothing coming from the top that's going to help us, you know? Um, but it's like, uh, God, it's like this fucking, um, sorry, it's like slipping my mind. There's this Samuel Beckett play uh, and it's these, oh, wait, fucking wow. Waiting for Godot. Oh no! You're not the only person who couldn't remember waiting, the name you know, of the most famous one. They're waiting for God to one. show up, and he doesn't show up. And then they come back the next day, and they're like sitting there waiting. And in the time that they're sitting there and waiting, it's like you're forgetting to like live, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's one of those things where it's like I want to believe in the capability that we can occupy our time and do something. I want to believe in that more than I've I've, I've just um. I've come out of this low period where I really want to hang on to that thing. Yes. Hmm. Sorry to be such like an earnest. No, no, no. But that, not like. No, Natalie. You know. That is. <laughs> that is fantastic. That's what we need more of. I can't speak for Will, but like that. That is why I do this. Like there is no reason to have long form conversations other than to realize. Maybe for you that 
you give a shit about other people and you're trying really hard to make the best reality that you can. What? <laughs> and it's not like you can do that overnight or do it immediately. No. You know, there's no like fixable option that I think a lot of us have either become accustomed to or like wanted to have. And yeah. all of the circumstances of COVID and, you know, the murder of George Floyd and, and all these horrible fucking events that have come up have made people realize how stagnant they feel and how they're using their time, you know? Right. Um, and I don't know. I hope that this can be something good. I mean, if fucking Angela Davis is like excited about things, like, you know, that's surprising. Maybe that's, that was a shocker. I was like, oh, huh, wow. But you know what I mean? Like, like for her to say that is like, fuck. All right. You know, you've seen some very crazy shit. You had the government right. literally like try and put you away forever and you beat them, you know, and you're like interested in what's happening. Yeah, it's very it's very cornball of me, but it's the old Chinese proverb proverb of like we're cursed to live in interesting times. No, 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 no. And don't it's say that. Really, that's a Greek, <laughs> that's a Greek <laughs> curse. We don't say that. That's why it, now that I learned that it was a curse, I look back at la- the Biennale. I'm like, who the fuck chose that as a goddamn title? You cursed. I just knocked on wood. Yeah, you sh- <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking. We don't. It's not. No, no. Bad. Of, oh, cor- no. of course Bad. it's a curse, but you can't, you know, you can't live in cool times unless it's cursed. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, like, whenever I do see friends or I'm able to, like, see people, I feel like the one thing we all say is, like, did you ever imagine living in, like, a literal plague? You know? No. Nobody could, you know, I think the average person is, like, so thrown completely by oh yeah as everything y- as youth i imagine like oh it'd be so nice to like live through something interesting it's like stupid young son of a bitch <laughs> no you brought this upon yourself shut up <laughs> like, I yeah want, well it, i want time travel know, just to smack myself as a 22 year old interesting isn't easy no but but it, i but i am very i'm very heartened by our conversation tonight because it's also not bad I think everybody's getting really strong right now, which I think is so good. Too. Um, I actually, I, when I was feeling really down, I was thinking about like a, an earlier episode you did with Ulrika where it's like talking about mourning, you know, it giving yeah. time and space to mourn, mourn for like the way your expectations were or the way you think life would be or the space to like, mourn the massive loss of people you know but to to actively hold and give space to feel those feelings you know i think a lot of the way life is run you know our jobs the structure of our lives the structure of how the kind of structural default of our lives keeps us occupied and doesn't allow us to like fully engage those things yes and I, I just was really thinking about her talking about that. And, um, yeah, I think it makes you fucking stronger. I don't think it makes anybody weaker for thinking of these things. No. I mean, it's made me fatter, but, you know, that's a different Yeah, oh, me too. But, everybody. You it's know. Okay. Um, instead of, like, the freshman 15, it's, like, the quarantine 15. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Down to the fucking pound. <laughs> 